Amen. I'm glad that I can trust him. And you know, that song may be, uh, you may think, well, that's egocentric. You're telling me that the only reason that you trust God is because he answers your prayers. No, you don't understand. You need to read scripture. The reason I trust God is because he does what he said he'll do. (laughs) And so this morning, we're going to be starting a series. If you want to turn your Bibles this morning to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I, uh, you know, as I'm praying and pondering on what to preach next, and you know my comfort zone, and if you've been here any amount of time, my comfort zone are, is book studies. We're going to start a book, and we're going, to, we're, going to go, we're going to grind it out until it's done. Amen? I mean, I'm talking, you know, we're not going to rush anything. We're not going to, to change it up, and uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to get through this book. And I believe that that is the appropriate way for believers to learn, is to go through and, and learn context and learn audience and learn application through a book of the Bible. Uh, but God here recently has turned my heart, not away from book studies, but for this moment, for this time, to a different study. God's word, of course. But I say this, and although I say it often, and it seems cliche, it is no less true. Life is tough. Life is difficult, and living in this world, being in a broken world, sometimes brokenness can come into our life. So so what do we do? What do we do when our marriage is crumbling? What do we do when our children are running? What do we do when our health is debilitating? When our money is ever decreasing, when our friendships are disintegrating, when our mental health is collapsing, what do we do? I'm one of those people that my nature is just to preach repentance and repentance. And guess what? That's never going to change. That's what, all, that's what all the preachers preached in the Word, so that's what, that's what I'm going to preach uh, as well today. But what I'm not, what, I'm so, what God has revealed to me, what I'm not good at is preaching and teaching and, and loving through the Word in such a way that sometimes you need more than just turn from your sin. You need more than just do better. We need more than just, just obey. Sometimes I have found that, that I need more. As, as hard-nosed and stubborn as I am, when I read the word, listen, don't, don't take, don't, when I read the word, man, listen, it, it walks all over me. And I love it when it does that. But I want to share an experience I had that confirmed that I'm where I need to be in, the, in doing this, what I'm doing. Uh, as you know, I, I, well, you maybe you don't know, but the last few or last nine Mondays, I think I took off Labor Day or which one that came up? Is Memorial Labor Day? Labor Day? Memorial Day is in May. <laughs> and, uh, but I've been going and visiting um, some of the fun timers and, you know, those that will allow me to come kind of thing. You know, I still got to mend some bridges, I guess. I don't know. But it's something that I've neglected my entire ministry. My entire ministry I've neglected doing this. And it's always been in my mind justifying it. Well, I'm, I'm too busy and I've got, you know, I've, and, and in reality, I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm trying to be trans. I was challenged last night 
by a pastor friend of mine, when I shared this with him, to, to be as transparent as possible with this. And so oftentimes I think, man, I got, I got things that are more important than to do that. And so God convicted me, and, and you remember when I went, to, went to, on vacation in June, and I, and I truly asked the Lord, am I in the way of Cedar Grove being what it needs to be as a local church? And I was, I was fully willing and fully, I was going to obey God whichever way he answered. Now, that, that caused a lot of fear in my spirit. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want, you know, a certain answer. By the way, if you see this thing move, it's because my ears are tiny, and, uh, you know, it's just going to happen, Okay. This is for a normal human being's ear, and I don't have that. So, uh, and my, my, my daughter reminds me all the time. I say she has big ears. She says, you got small ears. But anyway. But in that situation, God revealed to me things that I needed to do, things that I needed to better in. It's so easy to point the fingers at everybody else, but in reality, most of the time, the problem is me. That goes for all of us. Most of the time, the problem is not the person beside you. It's you. So I've been visiting. And, and let me just tell you something. I've been missing out the past seven years. We got some super awesome, cool fun timers. I mean, give yourselves a hand. Y'all are cool, right? Yeah. Wow. What was that? Give, give them a hand. I got you. Okay. But, I, you know, I, I spent... Uh, I think the last time me and Miss Virginia, I spent about three hours. I took a lot of her time, and, and we shared just about everything with each other. And, and, I, and I've been trying to see, see them more often than just once every six months. You know what I'm saying? So I said it to say something that I did not expect happened on this past month. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass her, I'm not, but I, I do want to share this. And I went to Miss Donna's house. And we sat there. I think I was there about an hour and a half or something. You know, we talked. We watched a little bit of Food Channel, talked about, you know, the foods we like and stuff, you know. And so she started asking, which you know when you go to a fun timers, they're going to ask about the, the, the plan that we have for the worship center. And you kind of have to be careful, you know, because they're like, well, I, you know, I like this and I don't like that. And that's just, by the way, that's not just them. I, you know, they're just willing to say it to my face. <laughs> anyway. So I'm, she's asking about it and I'm telling her and, and she, she just starts to kind of, she didn't even know what she was, I don't, you may have known, but she just started kind of ministering to me through this. <laughs> and see, I've been, I've been struggling with a lot. I feel like a lot of people that are close in my life are fading. I feel like a lot of people that are close in ministry are fading, just kind of going another way and, and, and making priorities. And it's so easy when it's your job. And I, you know, I, I sit here alone and I work and, and, and I study. And, and the entire time I've got y'all on my mind and y'all on my heart. And I'm, I'm wanting God to do something great. And I see things that I can't control happening. And it just makes me distraught. I, I, by the way, this, this goes to the theme when everything just starts falling apart. And so Miss Donna's talking to me, and she's, she's kind of, you know, she's kind of let me know that she understands. Like, listen, I, you know, she, she, she told me that she knows that I, I've been through a lot. And she knows that, you know, I fought a lot of battles, and, and she's just kind of loving on me through this conversation. And it's a moment that I will never forget for the rest of my life. At the end of this conversation, I was about to leave. You know how you start, the conversation goes to like, hey, I've been here a long time. I'm going to go head out and, you know, and let you be. And it was getting to that time. And Miss Donna looked at me in my eyes. Now, I always sit in the same exact recliner when I go to Miss Donna. That's my recliner. Zach knows. He's been there with me. That's my recliner, right? You don't sit there. And Miss Donna backed me up on that. Amen? Amen. 
she's sitting right here, I'm sitting right there, and I'm, you know, all, once we start talking about church, all the turmoil starts coming back into my mind, you know what I'm saying? I start thinking, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that, and that person did, and so I was kind of, I was feeling that coming up my spirit again, if that makes sense. And so she looked at me, and, and, and I don't know if they were, maybe I just saw them, but her eyes were watering a little bit, and she said, Jacob, she said, I love you. And I know you do. And I don't understand what happened in that moment. But in that moment, I'll say this. The Spirit just started picking up the pieces for me. Let me just tell you something. That's something I've been missing. Listen, what happens when your life starts falling apart? What happens when you start losing control? Again, she probably has no idea that had the impact that it had on me. But I got in my car, and, I, and I, I just sat there for a second thinking, man, God, you are so good in sending that encouragement to me. But what do you do when all the pieces of your life are falling to the ground? Where do we go? I want you to know that in this life, there will be trials. You're going to go through stuff. Bad things are going to happen. It rains on the lost and the saved. There will be tribulations. There will be suffering. Those things happening or not is not the issue. We, we're not here to debate, well, uh, is it true that if, you're, if you haven't had a storm, you're in a storm, you're going into a storm. Is that true? That's not what we're debating here. You will have storms in your life. But how we respond to these storms, how we respond to these trials, that, that makes all the difference. We will at some point talk about all these topics and areas that I previously mentioned. And, and, and through God's guidance and his will, we're going to get serious and vulnerable about it. But today, however, we're going to set the table for this series. If we do not have a biblical foundation on what to do and who to go to when those storms come, we will respond more like the world than Christians. I can tell you this with a broken heart. I have seen more Christians respond like the world than I have like Christ. If anyone knows trouble, if anyone knows tribulations, if anyone knows trials, if anyone knows temptation, it was Jesus Christ, the God-man himself. To visualize this, I want us to think about two, two things. And I want us to realize, and yes, I got Plato here. This is like the first time in a long time I played with Plato, and, and you know what? You know what this is? What is this? Y'all be playing with that at the house? Y'all word like that? All right. So you have two two different two different things right here. Two different substances, right? Now I'm I'm trying to make a ball. Imagine this is a ball. Okay, it's like, kind of like a smart people. What would that be? What shape would that be? A barrel. <laughs> That's barrel shape right there. <laughs> but it is though, right? So you have a tennis ball and you have a, a ball Play-Doh or a barrel of Play-Doh. Now, this, is, this represents two different people. See, when storms come and the, the pieces in your life start falling apart and everything just starts happening, you have no control. See, if you're Play-Doh, when those, when those hits come to your life, it'll hit. Now, notice what just happened. That, that, that hit is still there. That, that imprint 
is still there, right? You get hit again. You get hit again. You get marred. You get, you get hurt. Your spouse hurts you. Your children run away. Your, your finances are hurt. And before you know it, you look like something that you didn't look like before. You look hurt. You look damaged. You say, well, why? Because you are. Remember, life is tough. I, I want to say this, too. It, don't be ashamed of being damaged as long as you're not allowing yourself to stay damaged because the power of Christ is stronger than any hit you can take in this world. So, so you, have, you have the Play-Doh here, but then you have this tennis ball. This is the other person. Now, tennis ball is created, created to take hits. The tennis ball is created to when it bounces, it'll bounce back. See, look, look, I know you probably can't see it, but when you, when you try to, when the, life, when the life hits you, look, watch, it'll hit you. There's an imprint there, but guess what happens? It disappears. It, it'll hit a wall and it'll, it'll go all the way down, but it comes back to, to form, comes back to shape. Now, now, listen, this is a rough illustration because I understand that he is the potter and we are the clay. I understand all these things. Yes, I, I contemplated that so much to do this illustration, but I want you to know is this, through the power of Christ, through the strength of Jesus, we can be more like a tennis ball and less like Plato. And the reality of the situation is this, it doesn't matter if you're a tennis ball or Plato, you're going to take hits in this life. Your life will eventually start to fall apart, and you're not going to know what to do. And if you don't know how to respond, if you don't have a foundation built upon biblical truth, then you're going to be imprinted. So this morning, let's set the table. Because some of us have allowed the world and the trials of life to put a mark on us, they have left an indention, a lasting imprint. May I remind you again, God is greater than the circumstance you are in. So in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, we're going to read all 12 verses. We, we got the PowerPoint good to go? Amen. You are the man. James chapter 1, it says this. If you're there, say read. read. James, a servant of God and the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now, real quick, let me set the table for this. Divers temptations in this text, okay, temptations, that word means various, divers means various, temptations means trials. Everyone understand that? If you have a different translation, it probably says that. But if you have KJV, it'll say, it'll say divers temptations. All that means is various trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and embraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower, the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, that is trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him.
The title of this series is very simple, Picking Up the Pieces. Father God, I just ask you, Lord, that you allow me to encourage this morning, but not in such a way that we allow, that we justify sin in our life. We justify being made low. We justify uh, walking around in defeat. But God, I pray that I can encourage in such a way that challenges through your word to allow your strength to be displayed in our weakness, to allow those uh, trials and that faith to work with patience. So, Lord God, I pray if there's somebody here going through a trial, going through suffering, going through a struggle, going through whatever it is in their life, God, I pray today they can be released from that, understanding your word and truth and believing and acknowledging that we can trust you. Father, there's somebody here who is lost in need of Jesus. Lord, I pray today is the day of salvation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. If we are to pick up the pieces of life, we must have the correct perspective. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not good at illustrations, okay? I'm going to try to be good at illustrations today. This is a hammer. The reason why I have the hammer is because these are really difficult to get out without a hammer. (laughs) So this represents your life, all right? So when the pieces of your life start to fall out, Sometimes it's a rough situation. When the pieces start falling out, what do you do? What do you do? Well, you have to have a correct perspective on life. Now, before we dig in, I want to make one thing clear, and you know how I preach, and you know how I'm going to get through this part and then back to uh, the encouragement part because I think some people might misunderstand the message today. Understand this. Not every trial is a test from God. Not every tribulation is a test from God. Not every suffering is a test from God. Some trials are, by definition, self-inflicted. A simple way to explain this is to look at two very, very well-known figures or characters in the Bible, people of God, and that is David and Job. See, Job was tested by God. I'm talking about God gave permission to Satan to the accuser, to the devil, the fallen angel himself to test Job's faith. And his test was disastrous to his life. He lost his family. He lost his livestock. He lost his health. He lost his friends. He was told by the people he loved, just curse God and die. But because his faith was so strong, He could have strength. Now, here's the thing. If you read Job, listen, Job got in a sackcloth and ashes. Job humbled himself to the point he realized that he could do nothing about this. He realized that, hey, God is so good, but but I'm going through this right now, but I got to remain faithful. Job was the one who wrote uh, that he giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's Job. That's the kind of faith that can be tested. That's the kind of faith that can stand a test, a trial. By the way, God also restored more abundantly what Job had lost. As a matter of fact, it tells us that he, he, he got doubled what he had. But see, David also lost much too. He lost a man of valor. 
valuable to the Lord's army. I mean, I mean, this was a man of value. Uriah was, was one of his friends, was one of his mightiest warriors. He lost him. He lost his baby. Why? Not because God was testing him, but because he sinned. The decisions that David made led to his suffering. His sin caused that trial. There is another difference here, and I want you to realize, look at verses 13 through 15 in James 1. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. I want you to understand something. If you have an inclination, if you have a draw to do something that you know is sinful, it is not God. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You'll find in Scripture where God's Word tells us that people can go so far that God will take them out. That lust that was in their spirit and their heart became sin. That sin conceived death. Do not mishear me this morning. Your sin will mess your life up. Your sin will put you in places you thought you'd never be. Your sin will give you a, a perspective you thought you'd never have as a child of God. Job's trial ended with God restoring, like I said, double what he initially had. If you study David, his suffering continued for years and years and years. His suffering had an effect on his entire family. Sin has a way of lingering. So today, if you have sin that has put you in a situation you are in, the first step, listen, church, the first step is to repent and turn away. Amen. Right now, I know what you're thinking. A lot of people right now could be justifying their decisions, justifying their mindset. Well, nobody can tell me nothing. I, I, I ought to be able to do this. I ought to be able to do that. Well, you know what? They hurt my feelings, so I'm just going to walk away from the church. Let me just tell you something. That's not God. That's your flesh. That's your lust. That is you attempting to satisfy yourself in your flesh. Careful. Bible says that turns to sin, and when sin, it'll bring forth death. Did not expect restoration without repentance. But how about those difficult circumstances that appear in our life? And, and again, Job, Job had no warning. God didn't go down to Job and say, hey, Job, listen, you cool with this? Just want you to know, I'm going I'm to allow the devil to attack you as fierce. He's not going to take your life, but everything else he has, he has open season on. That's not what happened. Job had no idea it was coming. Job was caught off guard. This is a trial. This is a test of faith here. But maybe you're here today and you're actively pursuing Christ just like Job was, intentionally living for him. And then one day just boom. Tragedy hits. That's where your perspective is important, church. There's two specific perspectives that we're going to talk about today that we must align with God's word. 
the first perspective that we must have is we must have a proper present perspective. A proper present perspective. Have you ever had a situation that caused you to panic? Have you? Let's think about it for a second. I just asked a question that I know you all have. Have you ever had a situation that has caused you to panic? Absolutely. Listen, I am am one. I do not do well with situations that that, that cause me to panic. I'm a a panicker. I'm not that dude that's just going to put on a front and be like, it's okay, we'll get through this. I'm like, what what are we going to do? What's going to happen? I don't understand. Let's go to the hospital. That's me. Right? Heather would say, yeah, my head's hurting. Well, let's go to ER. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, there's situations in our life, right, that, 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 that cause us to panic. Or, or in that time, in that specific instance, anxiety becomes crippling, right? Whatever's going on, another block, and things just start falling apart. And you don't know what to do. In that moment, your present perspective must be correct. Look at verse two again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, we got to be aware of who, of who James contextually is writing to. And it tells us right there in verse one, the scattered Jewish believers. Why is this important? Why is this important? They were scattered among the pagan people. They weren't scattered among other churches. They weren't scattered among their own people. The reason why they were called scattered is because they, they, had to, they had to spread out. They had to flee. They had to go. They were scattered. They had to live amongst the pagans, the heathens, those that hated God, the enemies of God. There was a distinct cultural and moral difference, and trials would come. The wording here is important. See, verse 2 is not telling us to be joyful for the trial, but rather have joy in the trial. No time do we see Joe saying, oh, man, this is fun. Yet my entire family just died. All my livestock are, are gone. Man, look at these balls on my skin. Hallelujah. That's not what happened. Again, he was in sackcloth and ashes. He, he was miserable. I mean, it, the pain of this life, the pain of the trial was getting on him. But, but his perspective, his present perspective, hey, God giveth and he taketh away. Regardless, blessed be the name of the Lord. There's power in a present perspective that has joy. James is encouraging us to embrace our trials, not for what they are, but for what God will accomplish through them. Do you realize the joy, we have, the joy we have in the Lord, the joy of his salvation is not dependent on what is going on? We must display to the lost world that our joy is stronger than our pain. Notice that does not exempt the pain. Because we're going to have pain. But we have to make sure that everyone that's watching, everyone that that may not know Christ, or everyone that's struggling, or believers, our fellow brethren, they got to see, not not a show, not superficial, but truly that joy that comes from knowing that God is still good. So what could God accomplish? Well, look at verse 3 and 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. That word perfect obviously does not mean perfection, but rather mature. 
Spiritual maturity is a direct result of a correct present perspective during trials. So to face trials, we must understand the present need for joy. And that will only come with the correct mindset, the correct perspective. See, verse 4, look at it. It ends with wanting nothing. That comes with maturity. I want you to think about it for a second. Have you ever had a birthday party? Some of y'all are extra with the birthday parties, right? Amen? You're like, you know, 47 and still like blowing out candles. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on with it. I mean... But think about it. When you're younger, when you open a gift, what does your youngin do? Huh. They go to the next gift. They see it. They throw it. They go to the next gift. And, and, you, and you have planned for four months. You have, you have some of y'all so spiritual. Y'all prayed over these gifts. Make sure you, you know, give your kids a little education, a little toys and stuff. Man, my kids are going to be a genius. No, they're not. But either way, listen, hey, you've planned all this. You've done all this. And, and before you know it, four months of planning is, is four minutes of opening. And they sit there and go, where, where are the rest of them? They're wanting. Does that make sense? They, they want more. They want more and more. They don't. Why? Because they're not mature. They, they don't understand that. Man, it's a blessing to get anything. They don't understand that your, your birthday really, you know, Christmas, that, that's not all about the gifts. That, a birthday, I don't really know what that's about outside of you getting older, but, you know, time with your family, appreciating the life that God has given you, right? Now, listen, we all like gifts, okay? And if God puts it on your heart, my birthday is October 17th. It's coming up, baby. And I promise you this, I will be so appreciative. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, no, I'm not kidding, but you know, about being appreciative. Man, I just put myself in a bond there. Anyway, but they're not mature. They want and want and want and want. You, you give them some candy. <clears throat> you give them some candy. And, and, and they eat the candy, and they look at you and say, I want more candy. You give them more candy. They'll eat as much as you give them, right? They're wanting. So God's word here says this, though. Wanting nothing comes with maturity. In our lives today, listen, the reason why people have no peace is because they're pursuing more and more possessions, more and more things, more and more uh, things the world can offer. We consistently want more. We consistently want to get better on things that don't even matter. We consistently want, want, and want. I mean, let me, let me tell you a secret on this right here. I, 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 Friday, I was uh, I just, man, I was wanting. I'll just be honest with you. And it was, I just wanted to buy something. Anyone ever get to where they want to buy something? Like, I wanted to spend some money on something. I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to buy it, right? It was crazy. It was the craziest thing ever. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, I need to, what? And so, and then usually that's Heather, not me, you know what I am? But anyway, but so, so we're, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy me a disc. Woo, I'm going to buy me a disc. It's going to be a nice color. It's going to be nice. It's going to have a nice little flight chart. And I thought, well, maybe I should look at my disc and see what I need. So I got to the house, and I started lining up my discs. I wish I had the picture because that had been perfect. So I'm lining them out, and I'm thinking, man, I want to buy a disc. And as I, I'm like, oh, man. And I keep on lining them out, and I'm lining them out even more. And before I know it, I'm like, and Joseph came over. I'm like, Joseph, I think I got a problem. <laughs> but see, in that moment, what happened is, as silly as that is, in that moment, I was revealed to the fact that I have enough. So that, that thirst and that hunger to purchase more, want more, went away. 
Does that make sense? Are you, are you, are you getting the foundation of what I'm trying to say right here? Wanting nothing. We got to get mature in our faith, church. We got to get mature in our life. Which is, and of course, maturity, which is preceded by patience, which is preceded by joy, no matter what. But look at the rest of the verse right here in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to him to men, all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. See, sometimes it seems as though verses 2 and 4 are impossible to achieve. Have you ever thought in your life, and just be transparent here this morning, you don't have to like raise your hand or say me for sure, but have you ever thought in your life that, man, it is impossible to live a godly life? I mean, it is impossible to do all the things that I want to do. If Paul did the things that he didn't want to do and didn't do what he wanted to do, how could I do it? It's impossible. It's impossible to not want. It's impossible to not, to not go through the trial selfishly. I want you to understand this. God gets it, but it is not a reason to give up. Not only ought we have a proper perspective of joy right now, but also a proper perspective of, of who is our helper right now. See, God desires us to be wise. Did you know that? Did you know that spiritual ignorance is not cute? Church, listen to me now. Did you know that just knowing John 3.16 is not, is not an adorable little Southern Bell Christian thing? Did you know that not understanding the depths of, uh, of, of God's word or not at least pursuing to understand the depths of God's word, that, that's not cool. That's not, well, I'm just a simple old Christian. Get over it and learn more about God. Amen. I tell you what, when we like something in life, you know what we do? We dig right into it, don't we? If we want to learn something, we'll watch 15,000 YouTube videos. We'll, we'll go to seminars. We'll go to trainings. We'll do all the things we got to do. We'll go get the licenses. But when it comes to understanding God's word, well, I'm just content with what I know. You better not be. You say, well, even the smartest people in the world have to learn more. We better get to studying then. <laughs> we better get to studying. God desires us to be wise. Not what the world calls wisdom. See, the, the world's advice counsel will do nothing but lead you the wrong way. I think sometimes it is absolutely ridiculous when people that, have, that are struggling with parenting go to ungodly parents. They ain't got no advice for you. You're different. I'm different. When your marriage is struggling and you know it's crumbling and the pieces are falling apart, they, they go to those that, that have already had bad marriages for advice. What kind of advice do you think you're going to get from them? I mean, what do you think they actually have for you outside of, hey, well, if it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't look good, if, if it doesn't make you happy, then just get rid of it. That's not wisdom. That's the wrong way. Hear me, as believers, we must and should think differently in every aspect of our life. Our family, our money, our work ethic, our recreation, our marriage, our mental health, our emotions. The world offers plenty of advice. Let me just tell you something. If you ever get sick and look up WebMD, my goodness. That's plenty of advice. That's part of my anxiety issue. I be looking up what I got, and, I, and it's, I'm dying. It's like, man, my, 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 my pinky toe, you know, it's, it's just it's sore. It's been sore for like two hours. And then they say, well, it ha you have pinky toe colitis. It's very rare. Only four people have it, and uh, you don't have much time. What? Right? I mean, the world has, has some, some dumb advice, church. If, if we're really going to get real, the world has nothing for us. But God offers the truth. 
Proverbs 2, 6 says, says this, for the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. What is the Bible? But, but how, like, the, let's look at that again. Amen, Michael, that's absolutely correct. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth. Huh, well, God's never spoken to me. Hold up. This is the word of God. Out of his mouth. So if you, want, if you want wisdom, if you want knowledge and understanding, you better go to the source. Amen. But that's not all. Look at Proverbs, I believe it's 18 or 19.8. He that giveth wisdom loveth his own soul. That getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. See, God gives us this wisdom, the Bible says, liberally and unbraideth not. What that means is abundantly and without reproach. So we know who to ask and what to ask for. That's all simple. Yeah, I, I understand the crowd. I, you did not have to come here this morning to, under, to, to at least know that you go to God for wisdom. Whether superficially or not, you knew that. But how is important. How we go to him, how we ask, that's important. So let's continue to read in verse 6 through 8. It says, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When the trials come, there are steps to asking for wisdom. First, we must ask in faith. That's what verse 6 says. That is, that is that we trust and do not hesitate in asking for it. God, I'm asking you now because you told me to, and I believe that you'll give it. Secondly, we must not be unstable. See, when our faith wavers, we will become, what the word says, tossed around to and fro, not knowing exactly what we want. It creates in us, the Bible says, a double mind, literally meaning two-souled. You know, the Bible says a house divided cannot stand. But have you ever been there, not knowing if you can trust God, but also knowing that you can't trust the world? So, so what do you do in those situations? When everything starts falling apart, what do you do in those situations? How do you pick up the pieces? Well, look at verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So you can only rest in the assurance of God. So a proper present perspective will display joy, will seek wisdom from God, and also display hope. Look at verse 9 through 11. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall a rich man fade away in his ways. Now, th th this holds a beautiful truth here, and, and I, I want to explain it. Uh, one of the commentaries that I use that I, that I look to um, is called the, the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It just it explains it so well, so I want to read this to you straight from the commentary, and I don't do this often, but I, when it's so good, it's just good. Furthermore, one who asks for wisdom needs to evidence hope. Whatever his social or economic position, the believer must see eternal advantages. 
The brother in humble circumstances can be glad in his high standing spiritually. And the one who is rich can be glad for his human frailty, knowing that he has eternal glory in Christ. Social prominence passes away. Wealth withers away like a wildflower in the hot sun and fame will fade. Hope in the eternal is evidence of believing faith. You know why we name things in this world after people? So we don't forget about them. As, as, as much as we think that we're really cool and awesome, if, 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 there, if there is some, if, if you are that kind of person and they say, well, you know what, he's done this, he's done that, generations will go by. Unless your name is on a plaque somewhere and unless they look at that plaque, you'll be forgotten. Now, your loved ones may, you know, for a few generations remember you. But that's why the hope in the eternal is so important for us. And that's why we ought to display that, that, that here, what we have here is not as important as what we have coming to us. Church, it is when we lose sight of the Lord and focus on the trial that we will become tossed to and fro. And that's why you see so many wandering this earth with no joy, no wisdom, no hope, because they do not have a proper present perspective. God is good. But Jacob, do you know what? God is good. But you don't understand what I'm, God is good. But my marriage, God is good. But I don't feel like it. God is good. The reason why this text seems unattainable is because so few truly follow its truth. We get so distracted, so frustrated, so discouraged. I'm not saying it's easy, church. Let me just tell you something. Uh, tough times are going to come. It's not going to be easy. But what I'm saying is it is right to have joy, to have hope, and to have wisdom. Do you have a proper present perspective on the trials in your life? But really all this, and we're almost done, I promise you, but all this feeds off of the second perspective. And this is where it gets good right here. We won't stay here for long. I wanted to build the foundation, but... Really, in order to have a proper present perspective, just like we talked and read about, you're going to have to have a proper future perspective. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We are able to endure and persevere present trials because we have a future hope, church. We do not go through this life thinking that it could be the end. We ought not go through this life thinking that at any time, any turn, really what, what it is. And, and again, Brother Drew said it so well last night. We're not to go through this life in defense mode. Just kind of hovering down. Oh, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want this. I don't want, I, I, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to, I don't want to fall into temptation. Listen, all that is good. And, and you should fight temptation and, and you should understand that we are not to give in to sin. However, we cannot always be on the defense. We got to understand that because of our future hope, we can be on the offense. We can live this life confidently. We can live this life boldly. We can live this life with wisdom. We can live this life, make an impact because we know that we're part of the kingdom. What is this crown of life that we talk to here, talk about here? It says right here, he shall receive the crown of life. 
Church, people like to complicate this. I'll tell you what it is. Very simple. That's eternal life. <laughs> That's eternal life. A life with no trials, no pain, no separation, no temptation, no death, no disappointment, no discouragement. Just life. Just Jesus. See, perfect in heaven will mean exactly what we think it means. Perfect. Will be fully mature, fully sanctified, fully glorified in heaven. That's the crown of life. God promises this to us, those who love him. We have a bad habit of justifying false conversion. And I'm not manipulating. I'm not trying to get everyone confused here. All I'm saying is this. The Bible is very clear. If you love Jesus, keep his commandments. The Bible is very clear. If you love him, you keep his commandments. And 1 John tells us that his commandments are not grievous to you. In other words, you're not sitting around saying, man, I got to go to church this morning. Man, I got to go to church tonight. Man, I got to stop what I'm doing and go to Wednesday service to learn about the eternal, infallible, almighty God. See, that's not, that's not what it's about there. See, a, a believer, now I'm not saying that you're always, you know, got that spiritual spunkiness, right? Not every day is a 10 day. Does that make sense? Like you're going to have some down days, but some of y'all have been down for a while. I mean, some of y'all, I mean, I, that, that's not the purpose for your life. That's not God's plan for you. So again, when our marriage is falling apart, when our children are running away from the faith, when your, when your friendships are disintegrating, when your entire life seems to be falling apart, When your health fails you, when your friends betray you, when all you see, when you wake up and all you see is darkness and misery, but yet you proclaim, I'm a child of God. Why is this happening to me? How do I pick up the pieces of my life? God, it's too overwhelming. I can't do it. That's when you'll start getting it. Understanding that no matter what happens, you can have joy. Understanding that no matter what happens, you, you can go to the Lord who giveth wisdom in abundance and without reproach, and you can say, God, how do I get, how do I get through this? No matter what, what's happened, no matter what pieces are falling apart, you, 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 can, you can display to the world that, hey, this is a hard time now, but I've got hope in my Savior. So how do you pick up the pieces? You hold on to the promises God gives us to help not today, but also forever. So this morning, it's very simple. What is your perspective like? Right now in the trial, what's your, where's your mindset? 
When you look at the future, what do you see? Do you see God and his way and his plan and his will come in the past and, and everything being made perfect and you can hold on to that hope no matter what? Do you see that? Or do you see the tunnel? Just more misery, more pain, more disappointment, more discouragement, more same old of same old, more going through the motions, more, more, more misery, more unhappiness. Listen, church, in my life, I never thought I'd preach a message like this. I understand. I have been the person to neglect that. Nothing can get me down. I'm stronger than everybody else. This world will try, but it won't get me. Let me just tell you something. Trials will come. You'll get pain. But I've learned more than anything, my God is greater. So this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed,